This podcast is brought to you by Blue Guardian, the fastest growing prop firm in 2023. I found it $200 and I flipped it to about a 1500 something like that. I was like, to check if it's really true, let me try withdrawing it. And when it clicked in my bank account, I was like, what the heck? I used to double, double accounts, double account, double account. I was still a kid, man, at the end of the day. Bought cards left, right, and center. And what was your trick with, for doubling the accounts? I had to tap from being a account flipper to being a professional trader. I am Andy Lemofogim all the way from South Africa, a $750,000 funded trader with multiple firms, obviously, but part of my funding comes from Blue Guardian. On two payouts, I've had $23,000, 100 and something, only on two payouts with Blue Guardian. Right. So think about the rest of the prop firms I use. I don't want to risk my entire $750,000. I'm not crazy. You understand? So how I trade them would be... Episode 248. All right, folks, welcome to this interview with Goat Andy. We break down a story from flipping accounts all the way through to becoming 750K funded. You're going to find out how he did it. Uh, and then afterwards, we actually shot a video. So jump over to the YouTube channel if you're not already here. And you're going to be able to find out how he trades these charts. It's an extremely transparent view. No cherry picking of trades in this breakdown. So please go and check that out. Now, he is uh, with Blue Guardian. So he's funded with Blue Guardian as well, who I'm my sponsors and uh, they, they've been able to verify all of the results that he talks about in the show as well. So um, that's coming up. Talking about Transparent, we've got the mystery trader dropping trades on the Telegram channel as well. So if you do want to go and check that out, you're going to see that uh, on the Trading Nut Telegram. It's just started last week. We've been a bit slow off the mark, but we're getting there. Um, also, other things going on here at Trading Nut, we've got the uh, Blue Guardian Challenge. A few people taking it on. We seem to be reducing in numbers. Uh, I dropped out this week. I failed the challenge. I'm going to give it another go so don't worry about that and in a couple of hours i'm going to be jumping up to these guys black bull in fact they've actually rebranded the black bull they're no longer black bull market so you can expect to see some new ads in the show so i'm going to meet those guys tomorrow i'm going to shoot some new stuff and last but not least before we dive in here if you're looking to automate anything go and check out my robot builders clubs link below the video or in the podcast description all right let's get on with the show our sponsor, Blue Guardian, is the only prop firm that gives their traders a tool to protect them from hitting their max daily loss and over trading. It's super simple to use. Just set the Guardian protector each day from your dashboard. Did you also know that they've just released an unlimited time evaluation with a zero trading days requirement, giving you plenty of time to hit their low 8 and 4% targets, making it super fast to get funded. Plus, it's cheaper than the 40-day time limit evaluation. Check out the link and coupon in the description to get 10% off your next Blue Guardian evaluation. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Go Andy in the house all the way over there in South Africa. $750,000 funded trader. We're about to hear how he, um, oh, sorry, one of the funded partners is, uh, prop firms is Blue Guardian as well. So that's why we got you on because we I've actually interviewed the, uh, the CEO of Blue Guardian uh, who I believe you've also had an interview with or had a chat to as well. So um, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate being here and thanks for welcoming me. And hi, guys. As he said, I am Andy Lemofogim all the way from South Africa, a $750,000 funded trader with multiple firms, obviously, but part of my funding comes from Blue Guardian. So yeah, thank you for welcoming to the show, man. No, look, it's awesome to have you here. I, I can't wait to hear your story. I've seen some of your videos, uh, and I know you've, you know, you called the goat because you, you obviously know what you're doing in the markets. So let's start off with how you got into trading in that journey through to where you are now. 
Um, I started trading five years back, which was, I got introduced to trading in 2018 by one of my friends uh, who used to like transport me here um, to every place I needed to go. Um, he used to like trade in the car and I thought he was playing a game for some sort of reason. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're always looking at these blue and red stuff. What is it? Are you do you love playing this game? What's going on? He explained it to me, but I couldn't understand it. And then he tried putting me on and I was like, hell no, I ain't doing that. Why would I put money on a game? Because a game is a game. It's for fun, not for really making money. And then what really happened was in 2019, March, that's when I kind of became more interested when I saw it changing a lot of people's lives. And then from then, I just took a decision to make it my full-time thing, especially after I'd withdrawn my first profit. Obviously not from prop firms, but for my personal funding. So it was like, okay, so I can genuinely do this. Like I can really, really place, buy or sell and literally withdraw the money if I make it. That was crazy. So that was like my aha moment where I was like, okay, now this is what I'm going to do for a lifetime. So that's how I actually started trading. And so sometimes like people dive in and they, they don't find success immediately, but it sounds like you were around a whole bunch of people that were um, making some cash out of this and you obviously did as well at the start. I mean, how, how do you think that happened that you didn't fall into that hole of like, I'm not, I just can't seem to make this work and I've, I'm started and I'm, I'm not making money. I'm just losing money. How did you, what do you, what do you think the difference yeah. was? So the difference with me was um, in my trading, in most of the time when I actually, when I started trading, my biggest part was obviously we approach trading as everybody else. Like people would come into trading and one thing we chase money. We chase um, what we've seen to people. We've cha we chase all these gurus and all these mentors and all that type of stuff, forgetting that each person has their own journey. I feel like in 2019, when I took a step, that this is my journey and I'm going to write my own book according to how I believe it has to be, that's when most of the things change. Because I remember I used to fund before I even knew how to trade. So in March, when I took that decision, it was like, why would I do something that I don't even know how or something that I don't even have a skill for? So I just had to literally take a decision to say, Andy, you have to take your time to learn. You have to take your time to practice and you have to take your time to experience. So this is when like my journey became different from everybody else because I wasn't chasing money. I wasn't chasing all these things. I was just literally focusing on mastering my craft and mastering my skills. And I feel like my quick, my quick success came from there because I did the right thing. Because when I tell people that it took me about eight months to break through in trading, they quite don't believe it because it takes people about three years, it takes people about two years, five years, seven years. And with me, it was that I, I took my time. That's what people don't understand. That slow growth is actually the fastest growth, but fastest growth is actually the slow growth. Because when you take your time to do something, you don't even get the chance to make mistakes because you're taking your time. But when you do things fast, you tend to make mistakes and those mistakes kind of delay your progress. That's the reason why a lot of people take time to succeed in training. So that's just how I did it. And so, I mean, because back in the day you were a model, right? So you obviously would have had some income through that. And yeah. I mean, that, that <laughs> did, did that help in any way? Yeah, it did. Uh, more especially... It, it was going with my advisory in university because I'm a graduate. I'm one of those traders that never dropped out. So um, it was in varsity. I, 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 I was a model. Um, I remember that time I was a South Africa's top model. So I was getting a bag about, um, I think about uh, $800 to $1,000 a month from just me being um, the king of South Africa. And um, that helped me a lot because 
I used to fund with it. I used to pay mentors to kind of get some little bit of, you know, insights about the trading. Because trust me, as, as far as YouTube can teach everything, but not everything is on YouTube. So you got to hear from somebody who's already made it. So I use those funds. And also my wife um, used to be the one that um, funds my dreams, actually, because he was working back then when I was still in school. And yeah, that's actually what happened. Okay. And so, so the, um, the, the, you know, you said you went off and did get some education. I mean, what kind of education did you get and how did you manage to not sort of get, I suppose, scammed with, with, with some shoddy, just like, you know, let's call it retail yeah. stuff or whatever stuff you can find on YouTube. Well, um, the truth is when you are desperate to learn, you, you at some point get, get scammed. So I got scammed by a few mentors, got a little bit insecure with getting mentors and all that type of stuff. But I ended up getting this person who was, was really pretty old. I mean, I think you know Adam Crew and also um, oh, yeah, Nick too. Listen. Yeah. yeah, yeah they were yeah. the people that actually introduced me to trading and all that type of stuff, learned from them a lot. But now, obviously, they're old. They don't do, they don't do that no more. They're just relaxing and eating their money. So what, what happened was my main part was I wanted to find a mentor that truly um, that truly defines my character, that truly defines my personality. Because one thing people don't realize about trading is that um, trading demands um, you to align. Like it, it, it wants you to align with your personality. You can't trade with a certain personality, but you portray a certain type of personality when you're trading. You can't be a calm person, but be a scalper when you're trading. You can't be a, a, a fast forward person, but be slow on trading. Like it kind of aligns. That's why they say trading teaches you who you really are. Because if you are an impatient person, it's going to show in the charts. And if you are a patient person, it's going to show in the charts. So whatever you do in person, in, in person, somewhere, somehow it finds a way to happen in your trading style. So I had to find that one person that really defines my character and defines my personality. So that's when I got stick to my strategy and I practice, practice. Trust me, um, strategy hopping really happened at some point. Because um, I saw people barcoding, like putting a lot of trades, making a lot of money. And I didn't know those were scalpers. Um, there's people who were trading news and all that type of stuff. But I realized my type of personality is that personality that loves being patient. I don't love rushing. Because looking back, as I said, the day I took the decision, my main point was, Andy, you have to take your time. That's how you will grow fast. So I, re I realized I'm pretty much of a patient person. So I need something that aligns with me placing a trade and relaxing. So that's when I had to learn more about the swing trading and the in-trading um, trading style. Yeah, it's, inter it's interesting that you were able to do that at sort of, I suppose, such a young age and to decide that that was, you know, your personality type. Because, I mean, even I struggle with it sometimes going, well, am I am I a patient person or not? <laughs> Is, are, there any, are there any tips or hints that you can give or do you give your, your current students or people you've taught around them trying yeah. to find what style is going to work for them? Yeah, obviously, um, there is tips and I can share them. Probably they're not, they're not a lot more. Um, so in most cases, for people who, are, let's, let's say there's people who don't, like, who don't like trading news. What I always tell them is that news create volatility, not direction. So if I'm a swing trader, when news kick in, they just create that little bit of um, shortage volatility moment. But if I have the right direction, I'm sticking to my plan. That's what I got to do. So... In normal cases, um, with you choosing your trading style, it has to do with all you said, the psychology behind it. Because a lot of people don't realize that trading demands high um, psychological um, strength more than high skills. Because if you don't, you're not trained psychologically, 
There's no way you're going to succeed in trading no matter how much skill you have. You can have a perfect trade, but still lose on it because you have a, a low, a low um, strength in psychology. So you need that pretty much good psychology. And that's what in most cases I used to trade my students because currently I'm not doing in class. I don't have any students no more because I literally groomed them and they became whatever they are right now. I pretty much have a lot of success stories from the people I've taught before. And that's when I was like, you know what? My biggest, my biggest goal was to have that one person who's going to say, Andy changed my life. And I, because I have multiple, I feel like, okay, I've done it enough. I just want to focus on my trading since I've tapped into this proper trading thing. It's pretty much interesting. But in overall, um, to finding your trading style, you got to self-introspect. You got to look at yourself and say, am I a person who loves adrenaline or am I a person who's patient? Because if you love adrenaline, if you are too quick to move to things, then you need to tap into probably your scalping type of strategy, uh, you know, your your day trading type of strategy, because those people, bro, I don't know how they do it. I, personally, I wouldn't, I don't like over-risking. I don't like holding trades short. I love um, risk managing and taking my time, you know? Mm. So I always advise them in that type of sort that, okay, guys, introspect to yourself realize the type of person you are are you patient or are you do you have do you have been impulsive are you impulsive are you a person who's patient enough to wait for a trade or are you a person when you see an opportunity you want to trade it immediately once you evaluate those certain those small aspects at some point they kind of tell you if you which category of trading style do you actually fall under so that's how i actually used to tip everybody Folks, I'm here in the Black Bull Markets trading floor and I'm surrounded by their customer support agents who are ready to take your calls, emails, or live chat 24-7. Now, if you're a newbie or experienced trader, you know your trading's in good hands. And, and do, you, is, do you think there's also something in there that's probably more, I suppose, not necessarily psychological, but I suppose it's to do with the mind anyway, but it also might be able to do with circumstance whereby it's almost like a, a lifestyle thing as well in terms of, you know, you might be a kind of hyper, you know, uh, hyperactive yeah. person. And so it's like, okay, well, I should be a scalper, but then you don't want to, you don't want to allocate, you know, two hours to the London session or, or the New York session or three hours of your day. Um, and then yeah. you've got a, you got a conflict, right? Cause you don't want to sit down for three hours at the chart or you, you're hyperactive, but you can't focus for that long. I mean, yeah. it, do you have any sort of tips or hints for somebody in that situation? Well, what I can tell you that the truth is, um, in all honesty, um, Cam, you 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 don't have to even spend three hours at the chart. That that's just my my true honesty. Like with me, I trade London and then close to New York. Um, I kind of. Um, protect profits by that time so that I can check what the volatility does after then I'll probably look for other movements so I only I think per day I spend about two hours on the chart it's probably the the first hour when London kicks in because London kicks in at 8 in, 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 in London and then um, here in South Africa it should be 9am so at 9am that's when I go to my charts to check my opportunities also currently like as I'm, as I'm talking I'm currently looking at CAT CHF and I'm, uh, I just uh, have a position running like that so when it approached the New York session that would be when I would actually um, just protect profits by that time and look for opportunities from the London and I only take an hour per, per session 
And then later on, I just go back to my trading to check how the market went and all that type of stuff. If I have to protect or if I need to, I need to hold longer, that's just what I do. Um, in all honesty, you don't necessarily need to spend a lot of times on the chart. It's unnecessary because one thing is going to create, it's going to make you a chart zombie. You're going to be stuck on the charts. You're even going to end up taking unnecessary trades. I always told my, my, my students that, guys, don't stay on the charts for longer because one thing about the market is pretty enticing. It's going to show you a setup that you would think it's perfect only to trap you on the wrong side and you end up having unnecessary losses. One thing I always say is that, guys, in whatever you do, and also this goes to the audience out there, whatever you do, don't take unnecessary trades for the sake that you want to have trades running. Just because you don't have a trade running, it doesn't mean that you are not a trader. Sometimes the market demands you to wait. Sometimes the market demands you to be patient because patience really pays. Wait for your setups. Don't, don't allow the setups to get into your head because sometimes, brother, what happens then? Pretty much it probably happened to you too where you literally looked at the market and you were like, damn, that's a good trade. And then for some sort of reason, you took an unnecessary, an unnecessary loss because you got enticed, yeah. ain't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's the, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's, that's always what I say. Don't don't do it. Like just just relax. You don't have to spend a lot of time. Go to the market for probably an hour or thirty minutes. Check all the pairs, whatever you trade. People have some pairs that maybe they trade for. With me, I don't have a, a specific pair I trade because my trading strategy works with every pair, works with every index. So it just depends which one gave me the the setup that I'm looking for for that time, and then I place it. That's just how it works. And then after then, I leave the market, go do my thing, probably go spend my time with my son, probably go out ice skating or just do the activities that I love doing. And then I come back earlier, I have my alarms on to check, okay, what's going on? Is the market on my, on my, on my favor or not? If it's not, okay, cool, I hold because why? I'm a swing trader. I probably hold trades for probably three to five days, if not a week. It just depends how far is the market going. So that's just the tip I would give everybody, yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, but I tell you what, I love that that chart zombie thing. It's it's kind of, I've never heard that on the show before. So it is a, a nice way to think about it. And I think if anyone wants to take something away, really, if you are spending, you know, three, two, three hours, or you're feeling like you have to, then maybe it's maybe there's a more efficient way to do it. Whatever it is, I don't know what that solution is, but maybe have a think. Now let's dive back into when you first started and that journey from like, you know, starting to get a bit of an understanding, learning from um, Adam Koo and, and uh, Nick Leeson and seeing like, how did things progress from there? I mean, what did you do to actually, I suppose, put a strategy together to start off with? Okay. Um, how I put my strategy together was um, obviously I learned from multiple mentors and then me doing that. That's why I said strategy hopping. So when I strategy hop in, Everybody, I had to find that one person that pre-aligns with me. And as, as soon as I found them, one thing is, I can't teach you how to trade, right? Right now. But you're not going to do it the same way as I do it. Because everybody applies a certain strategy in their own ways, right? Let's make an example right now, Cam. Currently, we have um, high-trending strategies. Your ICT, your SMC, your everything, all the type of stuff. There's just a lot going on in this in this trading industry, right? And then if you look at it, the same SMC or ICT, it's just different wording concepts used. But if you look at it, it's still price action. We're just using the different wording, right? For when, so I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a pure price action trader. 
Like I look at the price and I trade with the price. I don't trade against the price. I wouldn't define it as SMC, as ICT, as this and that. Hell no, I'm not going to do that because all I do is to trade pure price action. And then currently we have, obviously these concepts, they will tell you about your value gaps, your all the type of stuff, your demand and supplies. But if, if, if you look at all of those, like it's the same thing as support and resistance. It's just different words used. Mm. So what I'm trying to say is uh, um, applying all my, like put, putting together my strategy took me, took me actually a string to think about it because I had to shut out the noise because people will make you change things you want to actually make work, things you want to do that can work for you because you're hearing all these different things from different people. Imagine if I had taken somebody saying SMC, I probably wouldn't have understood my strategy because you understand that I'm trying to avoid the confusion. Mm. So with my strategy, I had to sit down, check myself. Okay, I'm a pure price action trader. And if you look at it, pure price action kind of works in line with being a swing trader because you're analyzing price from where it starts to where it can possibly go and you're analyzing price from if it's on a high peak or if it's in a low peak and then that's where you actually get your entries from you know you can actually swing the buy from this point to that point or you can swing the sell from this point to that point so i just sit down check everything look at the patterns look at the zones look at the um, how my tra- my strategy aligns, what perfect entries do I get, um, what patterns do I need to see for the market to give me a perfect entry. Um, I just had to put that together, and that took me um, backtesting. I, I definitely backtested for like three months with no trading, just literally just backtesting, 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 backtesting. And then um, I pretty much saw a little bit of high thing, um, high success rate, because I think at that time it was ranging between um, – 80 to 90 winning rate when I back tested and then I applied it. That's when I got my first withdrawal from a broker, obviously for my personal funding before I got introduced to prop firms. And then along the line, your strategy kind of elevates, man. You kind of increase into um, tweaking the strategy, elevating it and all that type of stuff. So I just keep doing that by myself. So that's just how I pretty much... um, created okay. my so, 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 there was, so there was like three months of back testing and then then what happened when you went live I and mean, what was that first experience like did, did it no no issues or all the psychological stuff was set and you know you didn't have any any problems with holding the trades or anything like that how did it go when you first went went live well because i had i had an experience of funding back then remember as, I, as we started the, the interview i said to you i used to fund before i knew how to trade so I knew how the feeling of being on a live account actually before even choosing to do it the right way. Right. So as, as soon as I went live, now going live, this was when now I have a trading plan, I have a strategy, and it has been proven that it works by my back testing. So I wasn't I wasn't pretty much phased about it. Like I was just relaxed because I felt like I've put in enough enough work or enough time to my to, to mastering my craft. To a point that when I firstly funded, and I, I can still even remember, I probably still have that on my Instagram. Um, I funded, I think about it was about two hundred dollars. I funded two hundred dollars and I flipped it to about a thousand two, a thousand two, or a th- um um a fifteen hundred, something like that. I flipped it to that point, and then I was like, "Holy damn, did I just do that?" And I was like, "Okay." 
to check if it's really true. Let me try withdrawing it. And then I withdrew it. And then when it clicked in my bank account, I was like, what the heck? Bro, I will lie. That moment, I still remember it even today, man. Like, it was the best moment I've ever had in my entire life. I, bro, I've never felt like that. I was like, what the hell is going on right here? And then, yeah, that's just how it kicked in. It was yeah. crazy, actually. Okay. And so so how did you go with, like, funding after that? I mean, what did you do? Did you did you put some money back in the account? Or, I mean, I'm guessing that was before the prop firm sort of explosion. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, what I did was okay. After after we, I would do it. I don't want to lie to you and act like I'm 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 holy and all that type of stuff. The truth is, bro, I blew that money because um, dollars converted to South Africa. That's a lot of money. Oh even, yeah, yeah. Be, yeah, because I think one dollar in South Africa it's about ninety rand. So the value of the dollar is kind of high in South Africa. So if I have a thousand five fifteen hundred um dollars. In South Africa, I probably have like about 30, 30, 38,000 to 40,000, right? So, bro, I went to a club. I don't want to lie. I blew the, the entirely, bro. I literally blew it because I was <laughs> celebrating myself because yeah. I saw that this thing actually happened. Yeah. And then after then, I funded again and then I doubled again. So this was when I started my YouTube channel because... If you can go back to my YouTube channel, you'd see there was points where I used to flip hundred dollars to a thousand, a thousand dollars to ten, ten to fifty. I used to double, double accounts, double account, double accounts, and then I was still a kid, man. At the end of the day, you know, I blew that money, bought cards left, right, and center. I just and what was your what was your trick? Person- what was your trick with for doubling the accounts? What was the what was sort of like, if you had to sort of call it a trick? I suppose what was the money management behind doubling the account for you? Okay, because you know when you're doing something for the people, I feel like the risk was also not it. But I feel like at, even at that point, it was it, it was a peak of my strategy. Like that was like the peak of my strategy. And let me be honest with you. You know, the, 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 the way I made a lot of money was in COVID. So when people were dying, the truth is us traders we were making money. That's just the sad part. Because um, I remember when COVID hit, I was, uh, me and my, and, and my teammates at that time, we were, I think I funded about $2,000 or $1,000. I'm not really sure. And then we said, guys, I feel like, we feel like Nasdaq is over, Nasdaq is overbought. And at the current moment, it looks like it's going to sell. We put our sell limits right there. And I remember I had about, I think about five lots on that position, five lots on Nasdaq. Bro, Nasdaq literally spiked up. The following morning, news came in in South Africa telling us COVID hit. What are, what are, what are, this and that. A lot was happening, bro. We didn't understand what's going on in the world. News came in, this and that. And when we went back on the chart, we were literally triggered in and the market literally went with us. I think with just a day, one daily candle, I was running about $24,000 profit from really? $2,000 funding. Wow. I was running $24,000. <laughs> I was like, what the smokes just happened? Like, and then I just let the trade run because, bro, obviously now I, I have big profit. So let me just let it run. I let it run. It went to 24, 30, 35, 40. And then there was way now COVID started a little bit having management and whatever. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be greedy to hold, to overhold this position, I'm definitely going to lose this money because, you know, with trading, 
you can make a lot of money right now, but you can still lose it in a second. Mm. So I closed the position, withdrew my 40K, bought my first car, um, moved into an apartment. Um, yo, bro, I did a lot. I did yeah. a lot. Built my first house. I just did a lot with the money. And then from then, uh, that was just, I, basically COVID was my biggest breakthrough. I won't lie. And so, so that's okay. just how it Okay. And so, so um, from there you went, you moved into prop firms, right? I'm guessing, because obviously you're with these guys, Blue Guardian as well. So wh- how did that transition happen? And, and when did you decide to, to move from the personal to prop firms? All right. So um, about last year um, the, with, with my previous com- team I was with, we kind of had a break off, right? And having a, a fallout, it kind of put me in a lot of, okay, financial strain, right? And I realized, okay, I now have a son, I have a house, I have parents to take care of, I have all these type of stuff. And my entire funding, uh, my entire funding, I, I got tired of always flipping this to that because sometimes when you're trading in desperacy of money, you end up losing your entire money, right? So that's when the same person who introduced me to trading, my brother, also introduced me to prop firms, right? He was like, Doc, Look, you literally don't have to fund $100 to make a 1000 You can literally buy an account which is worth $99 or $89 and actually have financial management of um, a asset management of $10,000. I was like, what the fuck? You are lying. There's no way. And then I'll, he was like, okay, let me prove it to you. I think at that time he was funded about $15,000. Um, it was with this other prop firm. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then that's when I got introduced to this payout in tongue, this percentage tongue. Obviously, I did have it, but I never defined it like that, you know. But then I gave myself this time because you you wouldn't even believe it. I actually started trading prop firms last year in December. Right. So, okay. So it was quite uh, late in the game, really. Yeah, it's quite late. Yeah. But for where I've gotten this for it, bro, this is quick growth because already eight months later, I'm funded with seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I know it's crazy. So, so what did you do to what did you change? Well, what did you have to change from like going to flip flipping accounts to actually managing a funded account and not, you know, breaching the rules and stuff like that? So, um, the transition actually had to happen from okay. I had to tap from being a account flipper to being a professional trader, right? So when it comes to profession, this is now when you are considering everything. Because remain mind, when it comes to um, personal accounts, you have no rules. You can do whatever, right? So at some point, um, as far as I'm a swing trader, but at some point I would breach some of my rules by actually just putting a lot of trades and just allowing it to go and see what happens, right? But when it comes to prop firms, you can't really, even on a single day, say you want to cheat your rules. Yeah. Otherwise, you cheat your <laughs> rules, you lose an account. Yeah. Do you understand? So yeah. you have to tap into that maximum disciplinary mindset I've never seen. So, bro, you know one thing about me I love about myself, and I feel like this is the same thing that uh, Sean, the CEO of Blue Guardian, liked about me, is that, I'm pretty much disciplined with everything. I'm able to transition from this to this in a split second of time. So I just had to shift that mindset and say, Andy, 
Now we are growing slow and steady. This was when I realized that when it comes to prop firms, looking at people that they were doing big amounts, this and that and that, it can make you um, lose a lot of money as well because it can make you lose a lot of challenges as well. And that's when I kind of transitioned to say, okay, Andy, looking at it, if I can make a little bit, at least three to 5% a month from all my funded accounts and I convert the, the payout to South African rents, bro, I'm disgustingly rich. Because think about it. Um, a 3% of $750,000, how much is it? 5% of that as well, how much is it? You understand? Let's actually put it in the calculator. So I'm doing it now, actually, 750 is, so it's $22,000 is like 3% if you do, it's 22 grand. Exactly, right? And bear in mind, with just Blue Guardian alone, Blue Guardian, I've, on two payouts, I've had $23,000, 100 and something, only on two payouts with Blue Guardian. Right. So think about the rest of the prop firms I use. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, that yeah. has to be some, that's some insane numbers, Right. Because why, bear in mind, if I was a person who says, nah, I want to make 10% a month, that's disgusting, bro. Why would you just, my, my, my biggest my biggest target every time I trade my funded accounts is to always chase to be paid out. I don't necessarily look for percentages and whatever. All I chase is for consistent payout. Mm. You know how good it is to just have a, a proper way you have had approximately nine to 10 payouts with them? That, that's that's pretty much amazing, bro. Like, everybody wants that. Well, that's because a salary, right? Pro- it's, it becomes a salary, you know? It's, it's like, a, it's, well, it's a salary without doing the work. <laughs> the, the exactly. And yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And, and and some people actually work, some people actually work approximately, bro, 31 days um, for them just to get a paycheck of $400. You on a prop firm, in two weeks, at 14 days, you can literally receive Three thousand and above, one thousand above. You understand, based on the account sizing, obviously. So the transition was: I just had to discipline myself, and after discipline myself, man, the sky's the limit. Like I just yeah. shot skyrocketing so, up. Can can you give us like a, a comparison of when you were flipping account flipper to prop firm trader, the kind of risk that you would take on an account? Like from um, a percentage point of view or from a lot size point of view. Okay. Are, you, are we talking based on a prop firm or personal? But both, both. So when you were flipping like a $200 account, what percentage of the account would you risk per trade versus uh, let's say a $100,000 prop firm uh, challenge yeah. or account? What what um, percentage yeah. would you risk per trade? Well, in all honesty, when it comes to, um, in all honesty, when it comes to, Personal, I would be lying if I said the risk was based off percentages. That's a, I'll be lying. Right. Like when it comes to personal, bear in mind, there's no rules. So I had no rules to follow, but I just had money to protect. So I had a certain type of amount that if I reach this certain type of amount, I'm closing the trade. Right. So you're basically full margin kind of stuff if yeah. if you can you know and you're just going well look, i just don't, yeah. as long as i don't completely blow the account i get a second chance or a third chance yeah. or whatever ah, okay right yes, yeah sir. so the percentage was out the window it was out the window yeah so <laughs> that, that's generally how i did it like i would just look at it and like okay now nah, and now we have lost a lot let's close the trade i would close it 
Look for the next opportunity. Oh, now you've lost over. Let's close until I get the other the right. But in most cases, um, maybe one will be wrong, but the next two will be right. So I would probably sell my $200. I remember I wanted to risk hundred dollars. Uh, and then I when when I see it's close to hitting hundred, I will close it. And my next trade will probably give me like five hundred dollars. And then from then I just I just increase the risk as well to say, okay, or well, if now um I'm on six hundred dollars funding. I can actually want to risk $200. And on $200, $200 maybe will give me like $700. Like I just kept on doing it like that. I just kept on doing it like that. And then when it comes to prop firms, well, in honest, honestly, this is where I became extremely disciplined. And I portrayed, um, that's when I was able to put in a bracket the type of trading setups I have. So I would have an A plus, I would have an A and I would have a B. So with my A plus, this is where I would risk like about your 2% because it's pretty high. It's a high probability. You understand? And sometimes you know how high probability trades kind of work out. They would want to play out for a long time before they actually give you the right direction. And as a swing trader, I understand that patience is important. So I would risk like your 2%, but on your A, A setups, I would risk like 1% and on your B setups, I would risk like 0.50. You know, like I just bracket my risk in in between so 0 0.50 um um one percent or two percent this depends on which category setup is it on and so, so so i'm just trying to get my head around did you when you were doing the personal account flips did you actually have a stop loss in there it didn't sound like you did but i'm guessing you had to put a stop loss in on the prop firms because you most likely usually you have to have yes. a stop loss so so how did yes. you so, so how did you how did you determine where that stop loss was going to be, given the fact you hadn't used one in the personal accounts? I'm, I'm guessing. Um, well, the truth is, um, when I say loss uh, on a personal account, I would want to lose a certain amount. Like I would have a calculator that says if I put this type of lot size and I want to risk this much, where should be my stop? So I'll still put a stop loss. So a stop loss was yeah, never okay, a problem. Yeah, yeah. You understand? Yeah. So when I transitioned from the prop firm side, I just had to decrease the lot sizing in order to open up a little bit of a huge stop loss for the market to allow the market to run. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's, that's how it transitioned. So I still use a stop loss, not 100%, obviously. At some point, I would want to say, nah, this trade, I feel like it's just going to stop me out. Let me just allow it to move and all that type of stuff. And yes. this is how I did it. So yeah, man, that's that's and pretty then, much how it happened. And so going into the prop game, I mean, did you have any any issues with um, passing challenges at, at any points? Um, yes, yes. Um, but the first account I purchased, I never lost on the challenge. I I, I passed it, right? And as soon as I got funded, that's when I lost it. Right, and yeah. I think I was about I was up about six percent of the account when I lost the account. I was up about six percent, and then I will, I freaked out because I'm like, why would I be funded? And now I lose my account. What's going on? This was when I realized, um, started having to learn the difference between a balance based drawdown and an equity based drawdown. So uh -huh. by that time, by that time, I think I was running about six hundred dollars in profit. And I had other trades that were putting me on a drag, which made which hit stop loss. And as soon as they hit stop loss, 
I lost the account. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, So right. my So, equity, yeah. my equity for the day was low, but in as, as far as I was running profit, but my equity for the day was low. Yeah. So I yeah. never really thought about it like that. So I was, I was like, what's going on, guys? What is this? Like, I freaked out because I was mad. Because, yo, I remember fighting with the profit and was like, you are a scam. Because I was angry. You are a scam. Only to find out I was the one that didn't really understand the pros and cons and all that type of stuff. So this way, the, the whole shift of me choosing um, the type of equity I want actually happened. So some things, man, as far as we run away from it, sometimes experience is the best teacher. I feel like if I didn't have to go through that experience, I wouldn't have known what type of personal, personal problems would I trade with. So, yeah. And, and do you still trade the personal accounts as well? Yeah, I still do. Um, I still do. Currently, um, I'm flipping, I think, to, to let me see. I think I funded about $4,000. I want to take it to like 50, but I'm taking my time because I have a lot of prop firm accounts that I'm trading. So, right. yeah. And, and how do you manage all the different prop firm accounts? Um, so, okay, this is how I do it. A lot of people expect me to have a trade copy. I don't have that because why? Um, I always look at it in the way that what happens on my losing streak? So if I'm on my losing streak and I'm using a trade copy here, there can be a possibility of me losing the entire account, right? I don't want to risk my entire $750,000. I'm not crazy. You understand? So how I trade them would be, I would, I trade each one account per time. And if I've already made about two to 3%, I stop trading and move to the next one. If I'd made two to 3%, I stop trading. I move to the next one. That's just how I do it. That's just how I do it. I just shift right. With them, okay. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I heard I that think, a trader on recently doing the same thing. Yeah, which is clever. It's a yeah. clever way to do it, right? You don't want to yeah. start from scratch again on everything with one bad losing yeah. streak. Bro, yeah, I've came far, so I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, and and what about um on on your trades? Like, what's your typical risk risk to reward ratio? Um. <laughs> That's actually the craziest question because you know what's my risk to reward, to reward ratio? It's 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 basically one is to whatever. That's just right. how I put it. One is to whatever. So it's what, really it's you, you you manage the trades like in, in terms of like you look at what what the um are you looking at price on a sort of bar by bar basis or how do you do it? Yeah. So when I place a trade, I place a trade in 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 in. I trade the direction. I don't trade a target, mm. right? So most traders trade a target, which is if I can make a thousand dollars, I close the trade. I don't trade. I don't trade that. Like I trade yeah. the direction. Should it happen, the market is still continuing to move on my direction. All I do is just to adjust my stop loss. I just adjust my stop. I, I manage my trades manually. Like I just continue adjusting my stop loss, continue adjusting my stop loss up until a trade is exhausted and possibly hit my stop loss above entry or below entry. Or rather, let's say on some trades that do have a take profit or it hits my take profit, then that's when I would close the trade. But if the trade's still running without hitting my stop loss above or below, bro, I just let the thing run because one thing I've noticed that with most traders, we actually cap ourselves in small profits when we can actually capitalize from the long-term run of the trade. So I always don't 
I'm not like that. Like personally, I'm not like that. Like I yeah. trade the direction, not the target. And so you so don't I you don't take any partial partial excess along the way or anything like that. You just literally it's either going to hit the target or stop me out. You don't take partial yeah. excess. Nah, nah, I don't do that. That's why I say I'm pretty much of a patient person. Like yeah, I place a trade and allow it to run. It's either it chooses to hit my stop loss or it either to hit it, it hits my take profit. So it, it either hits my stop loss when I'm wrong or hits my stop loss when I'm right. So that's just how it is. Yeah. Like literally, that's just how I do it, brother. Simple. And and what's and your time? What's your time frame for entry? What entry time frame do you use or, or manage your trades on? Um, I manage my trade. I place my trades on a one hour time frame, but I manage my trades on a 15 minutes time frame. Because on a 15 minutes, this is where you get to see the brackets of where the market is turning weights reversing and all that type. so this kind of helps me to adjust my stop loss like okay so the market this time retested this high so now let me put my my stop loss below this high now this the market actually did this let me put my stop loss below this and then that's how i just uh, actually manage my trades and, and from like a do you do like a multi-time frame analysis because i'm guessing if you if you're holding your trades for like you know i think you said quite a few days or, or weeks yeah. How, how do you how do you get the one hour entry and the fifteen minute management on a trade that's going to last for you know quite you know a couple of weeks maybe or, or a few days? All right. So um, it's basically top down. So my biggest time frame is the week starts. I actually look at. I analyze every. I actually have like a a a category whereby I set my top ten, my possibles, and my not ready. So. I would put my highest probability trades on my top 10, right? And then though that top 10, how I get to the top 10 is that I will start on a weekly time frame, right? On a weekly time frame, this gets to give me an idea of how the previous week have worked out and what's the possible um, week overlook for this current pair, right? For an example, let's say we have been bearish for the last week and we probably have like a long as... Um, um, selling candle for the week, right? Knowing price action, the market would never impulsively move like that without having to come and retest at least 50% of the previous week's candle, right? right? So maybe for that week, I'll be looking for buys in order to cover that little bit of 50% unless it's a change of direction. And then as I break the market down, it has to give me either reversal patterns or it has to give me something in nature of reversing or something. If it doesn't do that, then I look for possible continuations. And how I look for continuations, I look for, it, did, we, did we break a structure? Did we retest? Um, did we have some gaps filled? What's going on with the prices? So this is when, so in all honesty, I have to get the same type of overlook on all the time frames. So I need to see a sell. In, in on a weekly time frame, I need to see a sell on a daily time frame. I need to see a sell on a four hour time frame, and I still need to see a sell on a one hour time frame. And then on a one hour time frame, that's where I have to look. I get to look at my entry point to say, okay, if the market can pull back until this level, this will where my significant entry will be. And if it can pull back to the second level, this is where my significant entry could be. And that's just how I man I do everything. Like I do that with all the top ten I have for the week they all have to give me the same thing. Mm. If I see a buy on the weekly, but on a, four, on a daily I see a sell, that's confusion for me. I don't want to trade that. Uh, like I just leave it out. Yeah. So that's just how I do it. 
Okay. So is that how you sort of get down from how many markets do you trade or, or look at? How many markets um, are there? In a week, I have I have my top 10. So, so you got you got top ten, but you only got you only look at ten markets, or you select ten from a portfolio of a larger number. I don't think I'm understanding your question. Oh, sorry. So, do you do you have how many markets do you look at in total? Everything. Yeah. So, like how many do you reckon that? What do you reckon that's like? Like 30, 45 or something like that. Okay. Let's let's say this. I almost all currency pairs. And two indices, um, and one commodity. Yeah. So okay. it's okay. Naming naming just a few. Let's say I look at US thirty and NAS one hundred, and also I look at gold, and then all the currency pairs after that. Right, right. And so you narrow that down and, to a list of ten. Yeah. Then I narrow that down to my top ten. Right. Okay. But US thirty, US thirty. NAS 100 and gold are always part of the excluding top 10. Right. So I probably look at like 13, if not 14. So the top 10 is just currency pairs. And then the other three, it's naturally just US 30, NAS 100 and gold. Right. And how long does it take you to go to get that top 10 list or that to, to get rid of like, you know, a whole bunch of Forex pairs that you don't think are going to line up? Yeah, so this has to go with my schedule, right? So on every Sunday night, what I would do is I would analyze for the for the for the following week, right? As I do that, Mondays in most in most of the cases, they are the ones that confirm which one do I have to actually look for, because the market would would have possibly moved to what what I was assuming or what I was actually looking for. And then if it didn't do that, that I know this is one thing I need to eliminate. So it becomes easy because I will I'll probably like take about one hour, 30 minutes to like look at all of them uh, on Sunday. And then on Monday, it takes about 30 minutes to just remove the wrong ones. Like not this one, not this one, not this one, not this one, not this one. And then that's it. And then it's crazy. I would have the top 10. But probably in a week, I would trade like three, if not four or five. And sometimes it gets to 10, mainly because let's say two, let's say two pairs disappointed me. I know I have the, the other five to deal with. If two disappoint me, I have the other ones to look for. So I always have a trade to recover the previous loss. And how many trades on, a, on an average week would you take? Averagely, um, maximum is three, if not four. Yeah, maximum five. Right. Unless okay. it's pretty much, yeah, maximum is five. But um, it's only five if profitable, if they were profitable. But let's say I took five trades and three were non-profitable. Um, I would add another three from my top 10 that would compound to, you know, like mm. that's just how I do it. Okay. Like okay. I have, I always have a, the next trade to replace the other. Okay, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting you came up with that technique to do it. Was that part of the back testing, or just part of trying to make things easy for you to to find the best setups? Um. Well, it, it, I would say it's part of the experience, man. It was actually after you realize that taking unnecessary losses, it's not it. Like I got tired of taking unnecessary losses because I remember there was a time back in my trading career where I used to trade every setup I would see on any pair without no plan. 
And that made me lose a lot of money unnecessarily. So I realized if I can have these type of pairs per week, I can focus on and at least don't chase the trade, but allow the trades to come to me. Then it minimizes my chances of trading and it maximizes my chances of being profitable. Yeah. So yeah. taking less trades doesn't mean you're profitable, but it gives you a high chance of staying profitable because you're not really taking unnecessary losses. Man, I don't know if Sean showed you, but bro, with Blue Guardian, I have a 100% winnings rate. 100%. Oh, I've never that. had any losses. Really? You've not even had one loss? Nothing. Like, Sean was even shocked when we won when he saw that. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's crazy because... It's literally 100%. And I have a YouTube a YouTube video up about that. Because after the interview, people didn't believe me when I said um, on the interview with Blue Guardian that I'm actually, I have 100% win rate with Blue Guardian. I have no loss. Like, I've never taken a loss. All of them is profits. And then I had to put that on on, on a YouTube. And they yeah. literally saw me scrolling down and all that type of stuff to yeah. show that it's 100%. So that's it's just basically how simple it is like you just gotta be disciplined like that for you to be able to manage funds so easily so that kind of discipline it's one thing that helped me eliminate unnecessary losses and, and talking about discipline i mean do you have any sort of special techniques that you've either taught people in the past or or that you do yourself to try and get your mindset right for for you know starting either the trading week getting your top 10 or just even going to the charts um the tr um okay I wouldn't call it a trick or a technique, but I would just call it my nature. Um, the nature of Goat Andy, it says, everything we ever put our attention to, we actually give it our full attention, right? So when I go to the charts, the main point is to find trades that are going to make me money. And as soon as I have to choose um, the type of setups I'm going to be trading, it has to be the setups that definitely aligns with my strategy and gonna make me money. At the end of the day, the main point or the main goal is to make money, right? So that's just how I go to it. So with my students as well, I would say, okay guys, look here, look here. When you go analyze the charts, analyze the charts with the thought of you wanna, you want this setup to make money for you. Because if you go on the charts with the mindset that you just want to trade, you're going to end up seeing things when they're not there. For an example, I'm definitely sure you, you also, Cam, also went through, the same, went through the same experience. Whereby you can literally see this setup says sell. But because you've been wanting the buys, you're going to buy and you're going to lose unnecessarily. Yep. 100%. Every yeah. Everybody goes through the same experience. But imagine if you're going to a setup with the thought that you want this setup to make money for you. And when you look at it, you look at it for what it is, not what you think. Mm. That's great advice. That is great advice. Yeah. So that's just how I actually taught everybody. And that is why I don't want to say I have the best students in the game, but with the people I've built, Damn, bro, it's crazy. Like, I'm a build beast, man. And at some point, I, I don't like being prized or I don't like being said, you, because of Goat Andy, no, 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 no. Bro, I gave you what you needed. Just stick with it. Have fun, make money, make your parents proud, and that's it.
Awesome, awesome. And- now, what, what we're going to dive into um, a, a couple of things around a price chart. So, do you want to just if you had your top three, like go away and study these things? What would they be? Uh, come again. Uh, if if you're telling somebody to go and study something on a price chart, what would be your mm-hmm. top three things to be to go away and study? Um, one is to study sensitivity, which means you must be able to spot sensitive areas, right? That's number one. Number two, you must be able to understand price conflict. Like you must be able to understand why does the price every time it gets to um, this price always wants to fight to go down and why does it fight every time when it gets from this price to go up. So the price conflict kind of makes you understand the borders of the playground you need to be in when trading that certain type of pair, right? I will make an example with um, USDs are, right? I know that the dollar, one dollar would never drop far most until 13 rand. So it ranges between 14 rand to 20 rand. So one dollar can either range in between those prices. So I know while the market is still in between those prices, I buy or sell, pertaining where the market comes from. Let's say the market comes from 20 rand. South Africa would never allow the dollar to exceed 20 rand per dollar. So I know the, the, the economy will fight. So as soon as they fight, I know from the 20 rand, I start looking for sales. Why? Because USDs are, USD has to be weak against the, the rand. Mm. And then as soon as the, the USD hits 14 rand, I know that the dollar would never allow South Africa to, to buy it for 14 rand. So it has to go up. So understanding the price conflict, this helps you understand the market easier. And then the last thing that the people have to look for is the price movement. And the easier way to understand price movement has to be patterns. The main reason is patterns is that the market moves the same way, just in different directions. As long as you understand these type of occurring movements, this kind of helps you um, know enough about what what do you need to see in order to see a sell and what do you need to see in order to see a buy. And once you crack all these patterns, it makes it easier for you to be able to maneuver around the market and it makes it easier for you to actually know which direction to follow and it just makes it easier for you to place entries because you would be able to understand for you to see the market turn to, um, for you to see a reversal, you need to see this thing happening. For you to see a continuation, you need to see this thing happen. And that's just how simple it is. So it's three things that I say. That, that, Sensitivity. Uh, yeah. That, sorry, I was just going to say, that's a fantastic answer. It's probably one of the best answers I've had to that question in the yeah. almost 300 odd shows I've done. So uh, <laughs> hats off to you for that. I don't know where you got that information from, but it's, it's awesome. Um, now, last question before we dive into a quick fire round here is if there was one thing you'd recommend any retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be? Entries. Entries. Now, what do you mean by I entries? Think, um, what I mean by entries is that analyzing the market is easy. But placing an entry is hard, right? That's the first thing, right? So that's, that is why we have chart analysts, somebody who break down the charts from top to bottom and you would understand everything. But trust me, they have zero history on their trading accounts, right? So I would, I would basically say practice entries. 
practice knowing for a fact that you can analyze and place a trade. That's what you need to do. Analyze to place a trade. Don't analyze just to look at the market. Obviously, when you're backtesting, that's what you have to do. It just depends on the target. As long as it aligns with your strategy, as long as you're getting confirmation, definitely master your entries. Because once you, you do know the small pieces that compound to you having the good entries, like confirmation, what do you need to see, the type of patterns, the type of candlestick, all the type of stuff, it makes it easier for you to become a fully compounded retail trader. Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, we're going to dive into a quick fire round here and, and then wrap this baby up. So how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? Eight months. Would you ever recommend the trading book or a resource? Uh, well, you know, as far as this book is, is overrated, right? But Trading in the Zone was one of the books that I actually had, like, during my trading career, like when I was learning, like it kind of helped me a lot, especially with acceptance, because it kind of teaches you what exactly the market does, but we just fail to accept. A lot of failure from traders comes from inacceptance to accept how the market it is, like the nature of how it truly is. So we, we are unable to accept that the truth is you're gonna lose at some point. You always want to win. There's no way you're gonna win. As far as I'm funded with $750,000 right now, bro, I still lose some certain amounts. It's just that I'm able to pass some accounts and all, always getting back, back together, right? Awesome. So yeah. it, it's, it's something like that. Like trading in the zone, that was just a book that actually helped me to accept the trading industry or the trading markets for what it is. Mm. So yeah, that's the book I'd actually everybody, I'll recommend everybody to. Actually, the audio book. They could go listen to it. Yeah, it's, the, it's the audio. I think I've, I've done the audio book. Yeah. Um, what yeah. about your preferred? What's your preferred broker and trading platform? Look, folks, I know you want the answer to this question. Which broker is this trader using? Now, the answer has been sponsored by Black Bull Markets. So to find the answer out, you're going to need to go over to tradingnut.com, find the show notes page for this guest, and then all will be revealed. What about if you want to, um, if you had to walk us through your worst ever trade, what would what that look like? The, the, the worst ever trade I've taken was a trade that I failed to accept I was wrong. Like, I literally placed it, and because I was like, no, it's going to buy, it's going to buy, I kept on moving the stop loss. I kept on moving the stop loss. I kept on moving the stop loss below and below, below and below, until it actually blew my entire $10,000. So, yo, that was the worst trade I've ever had in my entire life. I hate that day, actually, to think about it. Uh... And was that account that did had you grown that to ten thousand or was it like a fresh ten ten k? It was fresh. It was oh, fresh. Jeez. Okay, fresh. brilliant. Well, look, well, not brilliant, but um, thank you very much for coming on the show. Now, but before we wrap up, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah. Um, one piece of advice that I would give is okay. Um, to everybody, guys, um, who's an upcoming trader or a possible semi-pro trader or a pro trader to, to even come with, is that, guys, um, the trade industry, it's not a community work. It's not a, you know, it's not a community work. Like, you don't have to have everybody onto your trading journey because at some point, if you have everybody on your trading journey, they will kind of distract where you want to be. So the best traders come from focusing on themselves and actually making sure they master their own crafts, crafts, right? And then 
this, this, I'm talking based on experience because I've had people in my life and having people in my life during my trading career had, had almost ruined my trading skill because you now least focus on yourself, but rather focus on the community. And some works are just not a community work. It's just for you to focus on yourself, focus on mastering your craft. Trust me, the work of trading becomes easier when you choose you and choose your own journey. That is how I did it. And I actually became profitable in eight months where else everybody takes about three years, five years, seven, 10 to master their trading crafts. That's mainly because you have a whole bunch of community on you. Where else what you gotta do is just to focus on yourself, focus on mastering your skill, focus on mastering your strategy. Once you crack all of these things, it actually becomes easier to come up with a plan because now you're making a plan based off what you've experienced by yourself. You're not making a plan based off what somebody else said, said about it. You're just making everything uh, branded by yourself. So that is how my name, Goat Andy, came through. So basically the GOAT stands for greatest of all traders, not greatest of all times, but greatest of all traders. So the day I, 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 was, I defined that, I was like, you know what? Let me just do me, man. And that's just how everything came about. I'm I'm nodding here and I'm thinking, hang on a sec. I've got a big community. Um, you guys are distracting. Maybe this is the end. Maybe this is the end of the podcast. Maybe this is it. Maybe we're done. Maybe we're done. You, Not you. like that though. Not like that. Obviously, um, you, you are here to help people out. I mean, man, here you've got a lot of traders coming to share the experience, um, advices and all that type of stuff. Man, I, I basically mean it in like beginner type of perspective. Like when you start trading. You can have people you look up to and learn from, but don't involve them in your process because once you involve somebody in the process, you're going to want to follow what they say yeah. rather than what you know you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of what you were saying at the start of the show. It's very much your own journey. You need to make it your yes. own. And, and uh, that is the advice I think everyone needs to take away from this along with a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, look, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the traders to get hold of you? Um, okay, um, they can actually follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's the, the, the underscore goat underscore Andy underscore suck. Or they can follow my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is goat Andy. Um, just type goat Andy. I'll probably be the first to pop out right there. And then I have Twitter as well. Twitter, you can also find me. It's Andy underscore banks. Um, it's also there. Um, what else? What also on Facebook? I have a page. You can search Andy Demofukin Providence Ethics. And yeah, this is just how people can get hold of me. Also, yeah. I have a Telegram group. Check on my Telegram group. Yeah. Awesome. Well, <laughs> and I did jump in your Telegram group, and I think you said you're going to start dropping your strategy. Um, just the other week you said it. So if you guys want to find out what it is, I'm head over. Yeah. I'm guessing. Um, right. Look, a big yeah. thank you to uh, Go Andy for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links he's just mentioned, will be in the show notes to find them. There's going to be a link under the video or in the podcast description, or just head over to Trading Nut and search for Go Andy in the search box. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. Folks, if you're looking for an automated trade journal or trade copier, then check out my sponsor, Swift Journal. They connect to your MetaTrader 4 or 5 broker or prop firm and give you amazing insights into your trading. To get 20% off, click the link in the description and use coupon code TRADINGNUT. Alright folks, there you go, interview done and dusted with Andy. Now, do remember we shot a video after this where he breaks down some of the trades he's taken on these funded accounts. Now, this is an extremely transparent view of not just how he sees the market, but also the trades he's taken as well. So you're going to be kind of surprised, I think. So uh, 
other things going on here at Trading Up. We've got that Mystery Trader in the Telegram channel. Go and check that out. There is a link below this video uh, or podcast description to the Telegram channel. Go and check that out. Uh, we've got the Blue Guardian updates. We've got the live streams. We've got the uh, prenup market analysis as well. So a ton of stuff going on here at Trading Nuts. Now, before I head up to these guys' black ball markets and get myself probably a new cap, I want to tell you that you can still jump on my board, my Robot Builders Club. If you're looking to automate anything, you can do it so fast, so fast. Go and check it out. There's a link to that under the video as well. All right, folks, enough from me. Have a great trading week, and we'll see you in the next one.